Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Today on 30 Minutes, we'll continue with remarks made at the 2018 Tucson Festival of Books at the Nuestros Reyes stage, which was curated by the Pima County Public Library. This panel was called Borderlands New Wave Poetry and featured poets Danielle Olivas and Vicki Vertiz. We'll begin this session with an introduction by social justice consultant Sarah Gonzalez, followed by readings, questions, and discussion. This is part two of a two-part series. Welcome to the 10th annual Tucson Festival of Books. Yay, 10 years! <laughs> My name is Saro Gonzalez, and I'm gonna be moderating today. We wish to thank the Friends of Pima County Public Library for sponsoring this venue and supporting Nuestras Raices. Nuestras Raices, if you don't know, is a library program that builds community by celebrating Mexican-American authors, arts, and culture. I wanted to just frame it a little bit. I was having a conversation with my younger brother. Uh, recently, we were at a restaurant in Long Beach and there was a French poet from the 1800s who they had painted their prose on the wall. And he was just like, I'm just so astounded. At, like, that was in the 1800s and it's still here today. I'm just amazed that it, how does it get longevity? And I pessimistically replied that I wonder too, but about what didn't make it, what has been eradicated and eliminated and why. If nothing, I am the brooding child of our family. <laughs> um, but we do, we know that, right? Whether uh, some entity, whether it's a government or, or other, when they want to eradicate a people, a culture, what do they begin with? They begin with eliminating the art poetry, books, writing, paintings, and sculpture. So while I definitely am enjoying myself here today and I love reading, I am also highly conscious at the importance of having voice, of having representation, and um, grateful for Nuestras Raices because they do such wonderful work. And I think honoring writers and artists like our guests today uh, and striving to create opportunities for marginalized voices to have space to create. So let's give a round of applause to Nuestras Raices for all their work. So I'm so grateful to be here in the tent. Uh, that's a container here and in our libraries, which are these mini cultural centers across the city, where we know that words can hang heavy, words can unlock joy, they can complicate our perspectives, they can represent, they can illuminate, can infuriate, and can inspire. And among all these words are our writers, these storytellers that are here with us today. And in our cultura, storytellers are the people who kept our traditions alive, and they ensured knowledge passed on through the generations so they, in sense, kept us alive as well. So I'm gonna introduce our two authors here with us today. I'm gonna start with Danielle Olivas, who is the author of nine books and editor of two anthologies. His books include the novel The Book of Want, which is a U of A press, the landmark anthology Latinos in Lotus Land from Bilingual Press, and Things We Do Not Talk About, exploring Latino, Latina, literature through essays and interviews, which is San Diego State Press. His latest books are The King of Lighting Fixtures, uh, which is U of A Press and Crossing the Border, Collected Poems. Widely anthologized, Danielle has written for many publications, including the New York Times, El Paso Times, Los Angeles Times, Los Angeles Review of Books, HuffPo, High Country News, LA Observed, and the Jewish Journal. His writing has appeared in many literary journals, including Pank, 
Pilgrimage, Fairy Tale Review, MacGuffin, New Madrid, and the Prairie Schooner blog. He shares blogging duties on La Bloga, which is dedicated to Chicanex and Latinx literature. Daniel, the grandson of Mexican immigrants, grew up near the Pico Union and Koreatown neighborhoods of Los Angeles. He now makes his home northeast of downtown Los Angeles with his wife. They have an adult son who is a proud graduate of UCLA. Daniel received his degree in English Lit from Stanford University and a law degree from UCLA. By day, he is an attorney with the California Department of Justice in the Public Rights Division. So round of applause for Daniel Olivas. And Vicky Vertiz is here. Oh, oh, uh, the oldest child of an immigrant Mexican family, Vicky Vertiz was born and raised in Bell Gardens, a city in southeast Los Angeles. Vertiz's first full collection of poetry, Palm Frond with its throat cut, is published in the Camino del Sol series by the U of A Press in September of 2017. Her work was chosen by Natalie Diaz woo, for the 2016 U of A Poetry Center Summer Residency Program. A seven-time VONA participant, Vicky was also the 2015 Lucille Clifton Scholar at the Community of Writers. I didn't know how to say that. Well, I don't say Squaw Valley, but that's what that. Oh, okay. Some th that, they gotta that change place. that name. Yes. <laughs> Her writing is featured in Huisache, Nepantla, Omniverse, and the Los Angeles Review of Books, Kset Departures, and the anthologies Open the Door and the Coiled Serpent from Tia Chucha Press, among many others. Vicky has taught creative writing and given lectures at the Claremont Graduate University, 826 LA, the Center Theater Group, Williams College, Bell Gardens High School, and at UC Riverside, where she earned a Master of Fine Arts degree in 2015. Her first poetry collection, Swallows, is available from Finishing Line Press. Round of applause for Vicky! All right, and then my second stunner question, <laughs> also not mine, I took it from Instagram. <laughs> yes. It's, um, how do we, well, you're talking about, and your works both are talking about inequity and our experiences and different experiences within inequity and our government right now, which is just a recycle of what it has been in a different form, and thinking as writers and, and thinkers and advice givers, how do we prepare ourselves, which can be us as individuals or our communities, since you're putting work out into the world, how do we prepare ourselves for the world as it is? And how do we prepare ourselves for the world as it should be? I, I think of the second part of the question first is, you know, how do you prepare yourself for the world as it should be? And we, you can't do it alone. You, you cannot do it alone. Um, there's this fake idea that being a writer is going away somewhere and being by yourself all the time and that you, you did it all yourself and that's that that bootstrap individualism, also a very Western idea. And it's a huge lie. It's a huge, huge lie. And so you have to make friends as writers. You have to, that's the other thing I keep close by is your friends. Um, my partner's a writer too, so he's my first reader frequently and is very, very honest. And so there's that, but you can't do it alone. So you have to show up for each other, right? So my editor who chose my book for the press is here. So Kristen shows up, right? So um, uh, Joanna shows up, who's from South LA, right? Um, you have to show up for each other because you don't know who's going to be in 
in the trenches with you, and it may not be uh, who you think it is, right? So just being open to that, too. And then for the world as it is, I literally don't, don't listen to the news, but I work at an organization that has its finger on the pulse of what's happening, and then just spend time with my dog and with my family and remember that, that we're actually okay and that we've survived much worse, and uh, get a lot of uh, help. Um, literally like Reiki and therapy once a week and Aztec Danza so um, those things are real so I just wanted to share that thank you so I have the question in front of me because it's such a difficult question but but I think for me it came through with my short story collection The King of Lighting Fixtures published by U of A when that manuscript was ready it was already edited um, Donald Trump was elected and I felt like as a Chicano writer, how could I not address what has just happened, particularly since he was using such extreme racist um, language towards my people. So I ended up writing a dystopian story called The Great Wall. It takes place in the future where the wall has been created and it's designed with images of Trump's life and his gold design and all this stuff. And there's a huge detention center where the kids are separated from their um, parents, and they're able to say goodbye to their parents through plexiglass. And um, that story basically was sort of preparing me in the world, at least the world that reads my literature, um, for a world that could actually happen if we don't resist. And so, um, so that talks, I think, in some way to, to your question, to this wonderful question, uh, uh, how do you prepare yourself? In terms of how I prepare myself for reality, for what's happening right now, I'm, I think what I try to do in, in my daily life is, and it's difficult at times, but I just try to be kind to people, and I try to be kind to all people. Um, even when I know those people might have voted for someone who really I think is destructive. And I just try to let people know um, that uh, there's a lot of good in all of us. And even though I fight against my own selfishness and my own frailty, I think um, by just trying to be there for other people and try to promote writers and, and, and try to you know um, be supportive of my family, um, I'm helping to prepare you know, the table, in a sense, for um, my daily life. So. Thank you. Um, we're going to do another round of sharing. <laughs> Since Vicky broke down the barriers, I will read a poem that I wasn't going to read. Um, and it, this is the one that's dedicated to the incarcerated. It's called Letters to Norco. Norco is a prison in California. My letters to Norco kept you sane, you said. Three years there for selling meth. But I wrote to you so you wouldn't forget me. And you wrote back. Beautiful and sad letters. Strong letters. But the third one scared me and then made me mad. You told me that you rented my letters to your homies for a quarter where I told you what my mouth could do to your body and what I wanted you to do to me. But then I wasn't so mad. And I thought of your friends getting off from my words, and that made me smile. So I made each new letter even better, mm. hotter than the last. And when you wrote back and told me your homies loved my words and that you could charge 35 cents now, <laughs> I laughed at my power. 
And on your release day, as we stood in the August heat outside the tall fence, you held me and whispered into my hair that we should get married as soon as we could and have lots of babies. And you said my letters kept you sane. And I said, me too, mi amor, me too. You are listening to remarks made at the 2018 Tucson Festival of Books from a panel called Borderlands New Wave Poetry, featuring poets Daniel Olivas and Vicky Vertiz, with moderator Sarah Gonzalez on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. And, and that's the one where I stole the plot line from a friend of mine. So you can tell me. Do you want to hear a love letter to Morrissey fans? Or do you want to hear my love letter to Adrian Rich? Oh. Okay. Good. I feel like everybody writes his letter to her. Okay. Uh, out of the wreck. This is my version. Soy un guerrero de luz. From my plastic chair, the tallest tower watches me back, directs its oil pumps straight down. A river, the freeway, bare bulbs, light work for a taco vendor, all of us working into dawn where we belong. Straight down my river, the freeway, I walked out and back to the lip of the road and found how under bridges, mercy flowers anger. But I follow the taillights, turn up the avenue like a woman, like a man, turn what I can say into androgyne into a written room with streetwalk sight. And when I come into a room, some will love my accent but won't ask for papers. I get in with my skin, remind them however they have failed my living. Their stories are dead and our verbs survive. Soy un guerrero de luz, I sharpen cities bare, and when I go, where I go is home. Tiny discos and tinsel candles and conchas, y le doy gracias al cielo. When I go, language my name, the light straight down I have looked before. My name is light straight mercy, my name, my resist. My written room ignites the city sharply missed, and if they ask, my name is written under the lids of rivers, cities, and you're dead. Thank you. You know, can I read one love poem? Sure. <laughs> so, you made me think you got of inspired. this. Years ago when I was a teenager, and we're talking about 40 years ago, maybe longer, I fell in love with this artist named Frida Kahlo. And my parents are totally into Mexican art, Chicano art, and they introduced us to Frida Kahlo's work very early on. And so this is my love poem to her, Las Dos Fridas. I would have been there for you when Diego was not, but you were never alone. You always had yourself. The two Fridas, hand in hand, waiting for no one, yet hoping for him. But he is with a model, a young, stupid, giggling thing, that fat frog forgetting his true love to be in a puta's embrace. But I never would have forgotten you, never for a moment. Es la verdad. So. Oh. I have a response. This is a poetry off. <laughs> I think he's next. <laughs> okay, then that's it. Okay. Portrait as a couple, Mexico Distrito Federal. I love you like you are the only one between smog-smoked trees in this city of Vaseline sidesteps, you tower over me. 
A clean-shaved head is as close to tough as you will ever be. Behind me, the Mexican flag is colossal and full. Beneath us, metros shake and pyramids settle. I am no virgin. I am the Aztec god of war. Mouth of relentless ash, the devil is at my elbow. I lick flames much hotter than your vieja. No sabes limpiarte bien las nalgas, pero ya andas de caliente. But still I hold your hand. Tiawi Mexica, I love you like you are the only one. The last piece of steak in chile verde, the last slice of chocolate flan. And that's how you left me, gordo, in el zócalo y sola, a creature that can do anything. Okay, so this is a love poem. Oh my God. He's got nine books. We'll be here forever. Going in. It's actually, no questions from you. It's a, it's a poem about, about uh, my first pet named Susie, uh, Siamese cat, but it's about uh-huh. love. It's called Gato. <laughs> my abuelita calls Susie my Siamese cat a gato, which is just another sneaky word for cat because gatos and cats are sneaky, don't you know? I learned a long time ago that cats are sneaky with their love. Susie could take me or leave me depending on her needs. When she drowses on the warm television, eyes shut tight, chocolate-dipped toes, nose, ears, and tail twitching, in a dream of chasing pigeons, I don't exist, and I better not bother her, or else she'll growl like a dog. But when Susie's hungry, or bored, or wants to be scratched, she shows her love like no one else could, purring as she rubs her furry side so hard against my legs I lose my balance. My love is not sneaky, but if it were, it'd be sneaky like Susie's love, because even sneaky love is still love. <laughs> I have a love poem. I'm just oh. Yes, yes, Arita. Um, we Get have time it. for a couple of please. questions. Are there any young people that would like to ask yes. a question? Young yes, please. Love to young at heart. <laughs> have any young people? Ada, do you have a question? Oh, yes. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone have a question for our authors? Our feelings. Sentiments. Thoughts. Feelings over here, oh, yeah. feelings over there. Oh, feelings over there, yes. Interesting, thank you for noticing that. And you came to the reading at uh, Casa Libre, so thank you for coming here, yay. So uh, just to yes. repeat for the radio, um, is this you. a question framing around um, how Vicky writes, seems like letters, and so asking about that framework, that form? I think that's completely unconscious. There is one poem that was consciously a letter that Kwame Dawes had us write as an exercise, and that's at the end. Um, but that's fascinating. I actually hadn't noticed that about it. So, and I, but I, but I, that makes sense that my writing practice is um, in conversation with with people who are there and not there, right? So, like the sister I've never met or my dad, who. Um, so my parents don't read English, so they haven't read these stories about themselves. So I'm like. To, you know, totally in the closet about what I'm writing in many ways, uh, not just the obvious one. So, but yeah, that, thank you for noticing that. I hadn't noticed it. It makes sense, though. Any other folks have questions? Yes, the question is if the authors could talk about resistance. I find that from day one, um, my writing has been about resistance, and, and it's really resistance um, to silence on all, a whole range of topics. Um, and sometimes the topics are rough 
tough topics. Um, other times it's topics that are just trying to understand what it means to be in love, what it means to show affection and things like that. Uh, and what does it mean to to be part of a family unit and with different kind of currents that run within that. So, so in truth, my advice to people who want to write is number one, get your butt in that chair and write. No Twitter, no Facebook, nothing. Just focus on writing because it takes time, it takes energy. But also, try to understand what you want to talk about. What is it that's important to you? And it may simply be writing about the beauty that you see, or it may be something that's happening outside in the world that you think should be addressed. Um, and sometimes what you write may be better for an opinion piece in a newspaper, but sometimes if the language is right, it's appropriate as a poem or a story. So um, there's a lot of different facets to it. So. And I think your question was also hinting at how we may be engaging with it too much sometimes, right? Yeah, so I totally agree in that um, I, uh, it's a, the dance of um, responding to and not being beholden to things that are um, perhaps harmful or how do I say that? Right, so when 45 got elected, I was like, well, I'm not going to write anything about him. This, first of all, this hasn't this has been done before. So, wow, great, so innovative. Um, so not, so I wasn't going to go in there into that um, fight because I've been in, in that before. That's where I started my political activism in California when I was very young. And I and that energy is helpful to a degree, but if you stay there, then there's nothing else. You don't get to the cilantro poems that you know that children might write, and there, then there's good stuff in there for all of us, right? So I think there's also that myth of like a writer sits down and you say, oh, I'm going to write a poem about environmental justice. Like, no, don't do that. Just sit down and let the stories come as, as they may. And all of the things that you are upset about or trying to prove wrong will, will come through that way. I really have felt that that's true. And so I've noticed to the theme of environmental justice in my work, but did not sit down to do that. It's just that my, my brother has been coughing for decades, and my mom too, and now my dad as well, and that we've normalized it, but it's because there's a freeway with the most traffic accidents in California, half a block from my house. It's a post-industrial neighborhood. It was always meant to be for people, uh, working class people, right? So to live near the factories where you will also die. I mean, those those things are true. But the, the, the thing that harms me is not the thing that holds me forever. It can't, right? Because you have to, we're, we're trying to get free. So what else is there? So hopefully there's other things in here. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Good question. Um, Yay. Yeah, great question. Good. I'm just going to have any closing statements from you, and then I'm going to close it out. Or any more thoughts? Joanna. Oh, yes, yeah, so we had a question over here that we didn't hear. I don't know how to summarize. Imagination and poetry and how that could possibly liberate yourself. So I did this thing in grad school to trick myself because I didn't want to write about my dad anymore. I was like, all right, come on. <laughs> Sylvia Plath did that. I mean, but everything's been done. Everything's been done. Don't let that stop you. That's a lie. So, but, um, so I started writing ephrastic poems, right, which is writing after a piece of artwork. And artwork could be largely defined, uh, broadly defined, right? So film, video. So a lot of the poems in here, so to get out of my brain, to get out of the thinking brain, using all these different modalities. So I would look at 
feminist art from all over the world. I'd look at um, queer art, Chicano art, and then I would write maybe to the paintings or from the paintings or around the paintings to get around my own limited stories, right? Because we have the same stories we tell ourselves over and over. And I was like, well, I don't want to, what else is there, right? So engaging with other kinds of imagination um, has been really, really helpful. Uh, I totally agree. And one of the things um, that sometimes I need to do to kind of um, clean my palate is I'll go back, I'll read Virginia Woolf, or I'll read Somerset Mom, or, or, or I'll read um, Borges, or, you know, I go back to some uh, Kafka, or I go back to some, some of the um, writers that I um, really helped shape me early, early, early on, um, before I got deep into reading a, a lot of my contemporaries, and that helps kind of uh, trigger um, other ideas. And uh, for example, I have a short story called uh, Franz Kafka in Fresno, which was published by Belengo Press in one of my collections, and it was, and it's, it's a riff on metamorphosis, and it's basically about this Chicano in, up in Fresno. He's there because his dad has died. He has to figure out how to close up his estate, and he just has his fear of vermin, and but nothing magical happens in it. It's just life, and these triggers help us, I think, jump over those those walls and, and let us let our imagination run free. But that's a good question. I like that. Can we have a round of applause for our oh. authors? Oh. And I thought we had five minutes. Okay. You want to read something? We have five minutes. Then, then it has more poems. This poem is called Papa's Car. <laughs> Papa's car was battleship-sized, a gray station wagon that creaked and moaned with every turn. Clear vinyl pulled tightly over the seats, revealing even more gray. The rear seat faced backward, so that when I sat there, I could see where I had been, but not where I was going. Papa's gray station wagon took us to places like Venice Beach, or the dentist, or maybe a fiesta at my school, or even to Abuelita's house. Sometimes we just drive, not going anywhere in particular, and I would fall asleep feeling safe as Papa maneuvered our ship through the vast ocean of Los Angeles. Thank you. Nice. Yay. All right. That was jam-packed poetry session. Oh, Thank you so much for Yay. coming. Thank you, Sarita. We'll have to leave it there. You've been listening to remarks made at the 2018 Tucson Festival of Books at the Nuestras Raices stage, curated by the Pima County Public Library. This panel was called Borderlands New Wave Poetry and featured poets Daniela Olivas and Vicky Vertiz in conversation with social justice consultant Sarah Gonzalez. This has been part two of a two-part series. You can find this and all other recent episodes of 30 Minutes on the 30 Minutes program page at kxci.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Amanda Schager. <laughs>